You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. So we've gone like 13 episodes then without, I mean, we've acknowledged that our spouses exist, but it feels kind of funny that we've talked so much about something that's so uh, important to both of us um, without actually bringing them on. And I actually don't see this as being like just one time that they visit here. I mean, it'd be nice to have them kind of dip in and out of this because what I find is, and I don't know if this is true for you, Jason, but like a lot of these conversations are happening before you and I talk, I'm bouncing ideas off Laura and saying, oh yeah, what was that like? Or, you know, would you have questions? And I mean, you guys are on the flip side uh, to find that, that we are, but you know, we're kind of looking at you for advice and kind of see how it's going. What was it like when Eric brought the idea of fire to you? Cause I believe he's the one who raised the topic because there's certainly it's a non-traditional path. There's certainly risk in there, uh, and there's a spectrum of risk depending upon how you manage it. But how did that resonate with you? What was your reaction like, and how did you get on board? Uh, when he initially started talking about it, I was just like, oh, hmm. that's <laughs> Ignore. Cool. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then he was sort of like sending me information and I had a lot of questions about the reality of whether or not that would actually work. Uh, because, you know, I think you sort of move along and you, you make, you're completely, you've bought into the idea that you're going to work until you're 65. And, you know, I was, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't feel like I was in a position where I was raking in huge amounts of money. Uh, and so I thought, well, that's for people who have a lot of money to do. That's not for like regular people like us to do. Uh, and so I didn't, I wasn't really paying attention to some of the things he was telling me, to be honest. And I'm sure that was kind of frustrating for him. Um, but His then, feelings are very hurt. You can see it right now. Yeah. But I, well, I don't... One thing that happened was when COVID hit, I was take, I, you know, I was working from home and it was pretty stressful to be try, trying to run my lab remotely. And I was taking a lot of walks in the middle of the day to deal. And I was listening to audiobooks and Eric had shared with me how to quit like a millionaire as well Mm. as a couple of the sort of foundation episodes of, um, the choose FI podcast. So I ended up listening. I think first it was the choose FI podcast. And I think he was one, he pushed to me, like, just listen to this 4% rule, uh, because he was trying to explain how that would work and I wasn't really buying it. And so I listened to that and started (laughs) thinking about it more. And then I listened to, um, how to quit like a millionaire. And it's, and then we sat down and started going through the numbers and I saw the numbers working at the same time. I think we had like amounts of money that we were accumulating all of a sudden. Uh, and so we paid off our mortgage, which felt amazing coming from a place where, you know, my, I grew up in an apartment. We never owned a house. You know, it was like just being able to build our house and, you know, was a huge accomplishment for me. And I never dreamed we'd have this awesome little house in the woods in Maine. And so being able to pay that off when we did was just, and paying off student loans too. But then, you know, after that, you're thinking about saving for your kids college. And so we really were thinking, and Eric before me, thinking more about like, okay, how do we move beyond just our pre-tax savings that we do anyway, like through our employers? 
Uh, and you know, what does this timeline really look like? Because eventually you are gonna retire, right? And, and when you start thinking about what's the earliest we could do it, I was pretty shocked to see how we could move that up. This is the way it works. Like I present the idea to her like 4,000 times. She ignores it, decides one time that like, uh, she's going to listen to this podcast where there's all this data and numbers. Like she's totally data driven and like no amount of how we're trained, no amount of data that I present is going to convince her. Oh, she has to find it herself. So yeah, that's how it worked. So Laura had, she needed a lot of convincing, like number wise, like I, I had the idea about fire. I have to onboard her for you. Was it, I mean, was it the same? Do you, I feel like you're less involved in the numbers just based on what Jason has told me. Um, is it more a kind of like a conceptual idea of like, do we need to be running this rat race all the time? Or like how important is career? How important is like balancing hobbies in life? I feel like you're someone who's like, you're sampling all these different things. So like maybe fire wasn't the term you used, but it seems like, like it was pretty easy to onboard you into the concept. Is that true? Definitely. Um, yeah, like I was saying earlier, I, I realized pretty early on in my career that I didn't want sort of a traditional uh, day job. I needed change. I needed something more exciting. And then uh, when my daughter was young, Jason started traveling a lot for work. I mean, it was probably 75% of the time. And Yeah, for a few years there. Yeah. So uh, that also kind of kind of helped me realize that, you know, it would be nice if we could find some way to work it out where he was available more, um, for myself and for my daughter and just, to, you know, honestly, I just missed having him around. Yeah. And if there was some way to, that we could tweak what we were doing to make that work, you know, and I'm, yeah. So we started those discussions pretty early on, um, about, finding a way to retire early. Um, I wasn't aware of the fire movement or how any of that worked. Um, but I'm a pretty low key person. And I said to Jason, you know, I, I think I would be happy living on a beach in St. Lucia, you know, selling fish out of a hut. You know, I don't, I don't have a lot of requirements. Yeah, you you did. Know? I'm, I'm pretty, you know, it's, it's nice to be comfortable, but honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm I can pretty much live just about anywhere. And so, um, yeah. And then I think that's kind of when Jason sort of took it and ran, you know, that idea and started doing the research. How do you set a number? If like, she just says, I I'm happy living anywhere. Like I could, you know, I could live on the, uh, on a beach in St. Lucia and sell fish. Like how do you, how do you choose a number? Yeah. For Cause yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're talking like 15 years ago. It was like this, it was finger to the wind. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It was not a good enough number. And yeah. it was probably, to be honest with you, a third of where we ended up. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And once we started to learn and once the resources got better, you know, whether it's podcasts or books yeah. and frankly, just awareness, we, yes, then we improved our process and, uh, yeah, you know, mean, we still updated our number a number of times, just as I know you have, but yeah. Well, honestly, in the beginning, I think it was more like we were picturing ourselves like super lean fire. Like it yeah. would be like a, you know, it would be a super lean fire situation. Like we, we didn't think that we could live the way we're living now retired. I don't yeah. know. It was like Mr. Money. Yeah, am I correct? Yeah. 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 Yeah, more to, more towards that end of things, yeah. and uh, I think a combination Which of I was not cool with. just <laughs> no, no, and but I mean, you know, our, our thought process was different early on, and 
you know, I started to make opportunistic moves at work mm -hmm. and try to level up my career. And that enabled us to think differently and mm -hmm. frankly, save differently. Yeah. That's and, one of the reasons yeah. that we moved out to California because we realized, okay, if we kind of up our game and if we're, and since we're both willing to make those moves while we're young, you know, across the country, then we can make a big difference in our saving. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that, that, that influenced the saving strategy then basically like that. Absolutely. Idea of like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want more time with you present in the family, Jason. So like make it work guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, I mean, you know, yeah. I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I don't think that was the main push. You know, uh -huh. I think it was just like, I just saw how, you know, I saw how hard Jason would, it's, a, it's hard. I mean, the, the traveling, it was taking, a, it's a toll on him. He was tired and I just, uh, I and you too, right? Like it's a different, it's yeah, a, it's a different life for you. You were at home. You were at home single parenting a lot of the time. And yeah, yeah we had this, you know, you would say this is going to be worth it. You know, I'm happy to do this because it's going to enable this life for the three of us later on. But I mean, that wasn't easy. No, no, it would. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> that's a touchy subject. I don't know how much I want to say about that. <laughs> yes, it was difficult. So, Laura, you talked about that, the, you know, the, the process of onboarding and the realization uh, that this was achievable. But did you feel like you had to take steps immediately? Was that something that was of your own volition? Did you guys negotiate that? What did that actually look like, that transition to now we're on the path in well, your eyes? I mean, we definitely had to take steps to decide, uh, you know, what what we needed to save and then how we were going to get that savings done. Um, and I really needed to go through the process of kind of, I think I first accepted the um, financial independence part, but the retire early part for me is, you know, a work in progress, I would say. And, and for me, I think I have an, some additional layers of, um, you know, uh, you know, identity and still do, you know, caught up in, in what I do. Uh, so sure. for me, I have to, I've been going through a process of sort of figuring out what that timeline looks like. Um, but she saw, she thought me asking her to get on board with this financial independence, retire early, like the fire thing that I was asking her to step away from her job and therefore asking her to right. give up her identity. And it was all like packaged up in this ball. And there was like this major resistance, like, Hey man, you may want to do this and you may be sick of doing X, Y, and Z, but I'm not, I'm not done yet. And like, yeah. and I feel yeah. like we mm -hmm. haven't really fully That's solved fair that. Enough. That's fair enough. Although when we start talking about what we want to do together, um, it's not compatible with my job the way it looks right now. You know, traveling around through the year is not something I can do in my current position. And also for me, when I stop, it's not something I walk back to, you know, right. I, could, I could walk back to, you know, some flavor of what my expertise is in, but I'm not going to go back and like hang my lab shingle back up again. That's just not how it works. Because you have mm -hmm. lab animals and a research program. Yeah, and everything's funded by an NIH and, right. you know, you, you know, so people, very rarely do people actually like stop, go away and then come back and start again. Come um, back. So, you know, so even though he wasn't necessarily saying, you know, you need to, you know, it's important that you retire soon. I think 
the things we were talking about made it clear to me. And then I thought, well, what if, you know, we agree to do this together, but then he doesn't actually stop. (laughs) (laughs) Like he might just continue to do, you know, he's got all these interests in what we're doing right now, which is awesome. And, you know, I don't know, he might still want to continue doing that. And, you know, so for me, you know, what's the thing I'm going to do? I've always had something separate. And so, um, yeah, it's, so it's a different way of sort of moving forward together where we could potentially sure. be spending all of our time together <laughs> and all of our pursuits being shared. And we work very differently. So I, you know, I think a lot of people are confronted with that idea when they're thinking about, you know, retiring together and then spending all of your time together. I mean, you guys must, Lori was probably used to you traveling all the time. So she pretty much had her way to do with the house and with your daughter. And then you would probably swoop in and be home. And then she'd be like, Oh, now everything has to be different because you're here. You know, this is, this is my space. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, it's definitely like a, it's a shift. Yeah. When he's How has here, that gone, Lori? Uh, oh, like having you around. Yeah. that's a hard question to answer because it's been COVID. So that's just been like really weird because we've been like together like a hundred percent of the time pretty much. Mm -hmm. But it's, I think it's been really nice having you around. I mean, we, like I said, we worked together at the startup early on in our careers. That's how we met. I mean, we were together like pretty much 24 seven when we were working there. So we knew that we could spend a lot of time together. Um, I think, and also, I think we're really good at being honest with each other, too. You know, we make sure that we if we're like, yeah, I just need some like alone time, like we'll just leave, you know, like we'll go for a walk or just spend a day like on our own or go up and see friends, you know, in the Bay Area or something. So but you uh, might be letting me off the hook a little easy, right? I mean, you have routines and ways you like to handle, you know, the morning and, you know, how you, you know, get into your day. And now there's somebody who gets up hours before you sort of potentially messing with that. You keep I mean, to yourself. Is that always smooth sailing? Because <laughs> I think I'm pretty irritated. I'm easily irritated, which means that I, I think I'm probably <laughs> causing that for you sometimes. And we've talked about it, so I know it's yeah. happened. Dude, I know about yeah, your I vacuuming mean, you habits, got- man. <laughs> he yeah, hates your vacuuming habits. <laughs> yeah, dude, this guy. <laughs> He's complaining he about you like, vacuuming. His little like silent like bubble. <laughs> Look, don't make fun of how my brain works. I need that too, actually. He can't handle like any kind of like repetitive sounds or I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I knew he was a particular guy, but I, he's a particular guy. Oh, so there is friction. There there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's natural. I I know what irritates him and. And that's what you do. And that's what I do. Yeah. Do you consider yourself retired early, Lori? Oh, that's a good question. Um, huh. well, when did you stop working full-time in science? Yeah, I was going to say like that. Well, I mean, full-time in science was when we had, when I had my daughter. So like 15 years ago, and then I worked part-time in science for a while and, um, just found that that wasn't with the type of research I wanted to do. That wasn't a good fit having a young child. Um, it's just hard to do that level of research part-time. You really need to, to devote a significant amount of time to that. So uh, that's when I sort of pivoted and started doing uh, part-time work. I started with kind of staying on the science track, like teaching science at her Montessori school. Uh, And then that kind of morphed into me starting my own tutoring business. So I've been keeping busy. I've always had kind of like little side hustles going on. So I don't know if I would consider myself 
retired. I mean, I'm retired from science, I guess, like uh-huh. retired from biotech is the way I would think about it, maybe, but not fully retired, no, because I, I keep pretty busy. I think a lot of us were sort of raised on this traditional idea of what retirement means. And I yes. think, mm-hmm. you know, what we're doing now is redefining that in many ways. So yeah, I think, and, and when we talk to other people who, about this topic, they will be like, well, what are you going to do? What do you mean you're going to retire? Like yeah. somehow like you're morally corrupt because you're going <laughs> to retire early uh, rather, Must be than, nice. rather than thinking like, you know, oh, so what are you going to do next? Right. Like, right. Like yeah. it's a positive thing because now, I mean, obviously we're not the kind of people who are going to just, you know, watch prices right at 11 o'clock every day. And I mean, maybe for a few months I'll do that. I mean, I want to ask you about the day drinking because I'm like really into the day drinking. (laughs) (laughs) You you asked me me about day drinking in a previous episode. I know it's on my mind, man. It's on my mind. You're really concerned. So Eric, how much day drinking do you think you're going to do? And how much does it concern you versus excite you? Come on. I know you're lying about the day drinking. I know you do it. No, he's. Uh, I, I, I've been keeping an eye. I'm on pretty him. good. Like <laughs> once every two weeks, we'll go visit a couple wineries on a weekday. But I mean, that's how our schedules work. She tutors <laughs> and doesn't tutor every day, and she works at the brewery one day a week. So there's always a weekday or two where we could go do that if we wanted. And it's you, better to go during the week anyway. Yeah. Crowds, well, I yeah. think the I think the other important thing about this sort of reframing what retirement is is just this disconnect. Now we're disconnecting, you know your occupation or how you're using your time with making money because making money is no longer the driving factor. So you don't have to necessarily take a job where you're traveling 75% of your time around the world because you're trying to maximize your earning potential. You can do something that you just hundred percent enjoy. So all of the things that you do that are sort of like, Oh, this is just part of it. I have to, I have to do these things because it's part of what I do. You can just jettison those things and, and yeah. then strip it yeah. down to just the stuff that you care about and the things that motivate you intrinsically. And so I think those are um, like the most attractive things about this whole idea. Well, are you saying that like you're totally. jettisoning some of those yeah. things now in your current job? Of course not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Laura, you're writing the playbook right now. You're ready to retire early. That's all I'm hearing from you. You're, and it's, you're, you, would put, you articulated it better than I would. It's just so hard to use that word retired yeah. too. I just, yeah, I, I usually drop air quotes on such it. A, yeah, yeah, it's, it's such a loaded word, especially using it with people who just aren't a part of the movement or older people. They're, they just there's so many assumptions and so much like baggage with that word that it's. Uh, I don't know. For me, it's more. I'm I'm just at a point in my life where I can choose to do whatever I want to do. Like. Yeah, I like the job I have at the brewery, you know, like I would do that for free, like even if they didn't want to pay me, like just because it's fun. It's awesome. I'm learning yeah. stuff. I get to go in there. I get to do some molecular biology one day a week. And that's perfect. And so that's how I choose how I spend my time now. I keep busy, but I make sure I keep busy with things that, you know, if it's a paid situation, things that I would do for free. I don't want to feel pressured. What if know? they didn't give you the free beer? I would still do it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think I would you would it. actually. I would, yeah, just because the science is the is the big draw for me. But the free beer is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> great. So if so, entering Phi, since we'll, uh, we'll forget the RE part of it. Um, so now that you're financially independent, like what's changed for you, Lori? 
for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I, I was just thinking about this earlier when we were talking, like, I think I was actually in a very good position and very fortunate in that I was able to sort of ease into Phi because of Jason's, uh, role, uh, you know, with him, uh, being away and traveling so much and earning so well for our family. Once my daughter entered middle school, I had like a couple of years to start doing this, to kind of play around, to start the tutoring business. So I was able to kind of ease into it where I don't think a lot of people get to do that. So I've, it's almost like I had a two or three year head start. So not a ton has changed for me actually, since we've officially reached yeah. Phi. Interesting. Uh, you know, yeah. What about since I stopped working? So before we, yeah, before we reached Phi, I would, I mean, I'm thinking food, like just a lot of like impulse buys, you know, I'd uh -huh. be like, we used to shop at like Whole Foods and I'd be like, ah, you know, I'll just buy this here, this like, you know, $20 item there. It was like, I didn't even like think about that stuff. And, and now I definitely oh. keep that in mind, you know, I'm watching the budget a lot more. Um, I think you just, you know, when I, it, I just, it kind of reminds me of being back to when I was in college, uh -oh. college, like early work. Days, oh, thanks, you know? man. It's like, yeah, you're really screwing no. me over here. That's exactly <laughs> what Lord, Lord does not want to hear no. that. Oh. So, all right, why don't no. you step out now? I think, no, no, no. You're done. Do you feel like your purchases, <laughs> do you feel like your purchasing is micromanaged? No, I don't feel like that. I just mean that I have to like, I just mean that I'm thinking about. You're more thoughtful. I'm more thoughtful about how I spend now. Is you he like know? pinching I, you no, under the table like, there? <laughs> I mean, I'm seeing the same number of handbags and shoes being purchased that were being purchased when I was at my peak of earning. So yeah, that's, I, that's in the no, budget. We're not living off of like boxed falafel and ramen and like, you know, rice aroni like we did in college. It's not like that, but okay, it's just having to think about things. Right. I mean, when you start making like a decent income, right. You just yeah. kind of gradually start spending more. You just stop thinking about spending, you know, and I think you just don't realize how much you're doing that until, you know, you, until the you have to on. think about it. Yeah. And then I was well, like, well, oh. it's kind of interesting yeah. because we were talking about this the other night. And if you had started that mindset sooner, then, I mean, we, we, we would be on if a much we different sooner, timeline, yeah. Yeah. you know, if we, you know, thought about that, but there was definitely a period of time in our lives. Like after we had, save for the house and we were kind of saving for the kids college, but you know, we were not paying attention to what we were buying at the grocery store necessarily. And I think that the only other time where we were really careful about budget was like right when Eric started his business, we got, we were really keeping our eyes on it. But then after that, once things started to become more, you know, comfortable for us, we stopped really paying close tabs on our budget. And I think that in retrospect, I, if I could go back and change something, it would probably be to, you know, maybe start. I, mm. I wish that Eric had gotten me thinking about this sooner. Cause I don't think I would have come to it on my own. I think I would have just done the typical, like keep your head down and work until you're 65 and spend money on all kinds of things that you don't need. We would just have a house full of stuff and then we'd probably have a bigger house full of stuff. Um, so I'm glad that we have, have, gone down this path i think it's been a kind of a game changer at least i mean for both of us i think and and then when we talk to our family about it too i think it's an interesting it's been an interesting evolution of um, how our family has received these ideas too 
my mother is 74. She's worked her whole life. Um, and there's a lot of, I mean, out of necessity, of course, but also just that's what you do. Like she's still working, be a good citizen. You're giving back. Like this is what you do. There's a lot of honor in this. Um, and I also feel guilty because maybe my mom is still working because financially she really has to. So isn't it selfish of me? Like here I am, this professional doing really well and I'm just going to like make this somewhat selfish decision. Like what if my mom or Eric's parents or other people in my family need help? And, you know, here we are just sort of like giving up our income. At the right? highest, at our peak earnings. Yeah. yeah. So that part is hard for me, but I, I spent a lot of time thinking and worrying about that and talking to various people. And eventually I t started talking to my mom about it. And at first she was like, Oh, but she didn't necessarily say congratulations right away. We, I didn't talk about numbers, you know, so I think she didn't really she didn't believe it. respond to it <laughs> the way that I expected her to. And then the second time I talked to her about it, I started just mentioning some numbers. And then it was when I said that we had already saved for the kids education, the, at least the amount that we wanted to contribute to their education. She was right. like, you have, and I'm like, well, yeah, that's all part of it. Like, that's why we're talking about this now. And she's like, that's amazing. Congratulations. And all of a sudden it was like, she was having the response that I expected her to have in the first place. Um, so I think it was, I don't know. It just took time. I think for her to understand where I was coming from. And you told your sister and your sister, sister was just like, Oh, Okay. Yeah, I think they cool. were there. And like, that's what my sister was like, too. Yeah. Was like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> it's like, we're building this up in our mind. Well, like, it's going to be a big deal because we're thinking like, oh, we're about to make this like gigantic life change. And isn't everyone right. else going to consider it with the same level of importance as, as we do? And they're just like, why should they? Right. Well, no, exactly. No, it's like completely insane for me to have thought that way. Yeah. But I mean, given how much you and I have talked about it, Jay, like it's a, it's a big part of our lives, right? And for you guys now, you've yeah. transitioned onto that and hopefully you've left that all that headspace behind, although I, I kind of stir it up every week with you. Um, but and, and it's just kind of like part of your operating system, you know? And for us, we're just getting onboarded into it and we're dedicating a big portion of you know, <clears throat> everything we bring in to say, okay, this is like forced scarcity in our life. Like we, we don't make any of those big pots of money available anymore. They just all get invested. They all, they all have a job, you know, whereas before yeah. we would have like, we would have had a boat by now. I can guarantee it. We would have had four kayaks. We would have had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we things. definitely have friends who have, they're doing it gone and done all of those things. Yeah. So. Lifestyle expansion. Yeah. 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 I get it. No. I, and I think part of what, you know, maybe without using these words, what I was thinking about when Lori was talking was, Maybe you did the same thing. We had a strategy of kind of paying ourselves first, right? We made sure we hit all our savings targets and there's yeah. forced scarcity built into those. But then there was, after we did all of that, took care of all of our obligations, there was the money remaining that we spent. And we never discussed budget because I had already built in kind of our existing saving habits into that model. And so it wasn't something we were actively talking about until about a year before when we uh, a year before I left work, when we started testing the model, we started living on that budget, this very same budget that we live on now. And then we started to talk about it more. So it was a bit of a shift. And we hadn't done that before. So maybe your point, Laura, had we started having that kind of discussion kind of flipped around our saving versus spending 
discussions, not even necessarily what we were doing, but even just how we talked about it, mm-hmm. that might make it a more comfortable transition. So if that's any kind of guidance, I would put that out there. Yeah. I do think that a lot of partners, you know, have, it's a, it's hard to talk about money and budgets, right? Because ultimately there are going to be some things that you disagree about in terms of what you think you want to, when it comes to spending sure. and saving, how much money do you want to have on hand? What do you want to do with it? And I, I know many people who like avoid the topic altogether because it does end out with, you know, creating a lot of friction between people. Um, so I appreciate actually how much we've been talking about this over the past, like, you know, three years. <laughs> I mean, before that we had talked about it at important landmarks in our life, but now like we meet and talk about our savings and our budget. I think once a month for sure we sit down in front of the spreadsheets and go over all the numbers and you know i think that's a that's a big difference for us and it makes actually makes it easier right so when we're disagreeing about what we're spending our money on it's not so fraught with emotion anymore because we're talking about it so often yeah uh, i guess so i guess if other people are running into issues in terms of addressing these things with their partner all i can say is the more you talk about it the better we have definite shared financial responsibilities. Like Laura pays the bills. I do the investments. You know, mm-hmm. we get, we, we share the kind of budgeting look, look backs for the Fi stuff. How does it work in your house? <laughs> Tell us, uh, Laurie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of got kicked off the bills. Uh, well, a while 20 ago. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. <laughs> Join us as the conversation continues next time on two sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. <laughs>